Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the Square Ball Podcast number 99, um, The Flake, with me is Michael. Hello. Eamon. Hello, hello. And uh, any any word of Ollie? Don't be daft. We'd, I did hear whispers of Dan over the last yeah. week or two. Well, he said, but he says a lot of things, doesn't he? Okay, well, it'll, we'll just have to go ahead with just us three. Who more do we need? Well, those two would probably help. Um, we have, as usual, um, there's a magazine out there. It's been out there for a little while now, but I would still encourage you all to go to the squareball.net and buy it and read it because the digital version is only uh, one fifty, and we put a lot of time and effort into it. And the next one will be out for that Tuesday night match against, is it Wigan that we play? It's Wigan, yes. Wigan, yeah. It's a great. It's a very bold decision to bring it out for a midweek game that will probably be terrible and badly attended. But yes. we're doing it. That's so, the kind of mavericks we are. So every single one of you that goes, please buy a copy and make it worth our while because otherwise um, we'll have to throw a lot of them in the bin. <laughs> and for wants... those of you going to the Barnsley game, just for the ease the sellers' um, troubles, because there, there will be like, I think, one, one or two sellers out, um, it's not a new one and it's still not a programme. White watching. We'll go into the Barnsley game um, on a run of fantastic confidence because Leeds United, since we last spoke, went on a three, four game winning streak. We covered the first one in the last podcast. This time we come straight in at the trip to Cardiff City, which if I remember rightly, we were a little bit nervous about. You've got to be nervous. We don't beat them ever, except for last season when we beat them twice. And now we've beaten them this Um, season, so the curse is broken. That's it. So do we still owe Steve Owens, uh, Steve Evans for breaking that curse? It was the priest, wasn't it? The Monsignor? <laughs> his he, power uh, blessed the pitch. His powers didn't extend to Cardiff. Of course they did. God has no interest in Wales. Come on. But this one, it was live on Sky, which was also a bit of a worry, but we made reasonable kind of... It was one of those... It, uh, I had it down as an unfussy win when we were 1-0 up Chris Wood had scored a penalty and everything looked like it was going to be just ah we'll go away with three points and a clean sheet then Pablo Hernandez pulled out an absolute beauty just to defy Michael's hatred of him it wasn't hatred and look and look prior to scoring that did he not completely squander a good chance to put someone through as well I think it was a good chance to put Chris Wood through so ah you're correct may as well squander it yourself than uh, let him squander it he, he played well in this game, did he? And, and, he st- and he has started playing well now. And now he's playing well. 
I'm happy to praise him. You were just happy to praise him regardless. <laughs> I was seeing goodness where there was goodness. None. <laughs> well, he was one of several players that played well in this game. Who else played well, Eamon? Well, Pontus Janssen. I think this was the game that the world at large fell in love with him. Um, because Cardiff's main threat appeared to be... I guess they looked at uh, who scored and figured out that our weakness was crossed into the box set pieces, corner kicks, and while those are still probably weaknesses, Pontus was just everywhere, dealing with absolutely everything in the box. It's, it's rare to see a, a centre-back given a free role, but he seems to just be, his role was, don't mark anyone, just just go and get it. Whoever's, yeah, got, whoever's got the ball, or wherever the ball is going, just be there, and get rid of it. Kyle Bartley did a, um, an interview about that, talking about the defensive improvement, he said, and he pointed out that it's uh, at corners, I think he said it had been Pep Clotet's big idea that they just leave Janssen to defend everything. Doesn't mark a player, just attacks the ball. And there were loads of people um, sort of going, oh, I can't believe it, Kyle Bartley's given the game away. Opposition scouts will know. It's like, we've all seen it. Like We've all seen it happening. It's bloody great. He's been doing it since the first game. And a clean sheet is uh, has been characteristic of this good run. Bartley's not had the credit maybe he deserves I think I think Janssen's taken all the uh, the headlines for him really but he's just kind of quietly getting on with things as well which is which quietly is nice. he's flapping our tactics all over town <laughs> with his big <laughs> loose lips sinking ships left right and centre we were doing that thing before it was just that it was Chris Wood trying to do it and it wasn't quite as effective is it possible now attacking teams will mark Janssen from their own corners then we're in trouble oh. won't he just like I mean knock them out with a big heroic punky Norwegian punch he's not even Norwegian is he? he's Swedish close enough same thing <laughs> racist I, I apologise to every Scandinavian listening it has been a long day um, <laughs> but what I loved about this goal from I mean Pablo Hernandez not Chris Wood obviously was the sound it made going in off of the uh, off of the post and everyone talked about he curled it in but there was very little curve on this it was just very a slight bend, and then you heard that thwack. Beautiful moments like that. We we should treasure. It's nice when it's a, when it's the away team as well, because it's not quite as loud when it goes in. You hear you kind of. I feel like you hear the noise more because there's no kind of crowd anticipation for it. So you hear it more, and then you can just hear a sort of a slight, a faint cheer because there's not all the stadium at it at once. It's quite and nice. then I also be- I noticed that um, in Cardiff's goal, Yvette Fielding did not even move. Just let it go. Knew that, knew that they weren't getting there. She has passed it. To be fair, if Cardiff had scored, I think there may have been less cheering because there appeared to be about 400 fans in the crowd for uh, mm. for Cardiff at that game. True. I, I, I think mainly when I'm talking about a, a, the ball hitting an, a net and um, no one cheering, I'm thinking of away teams at Ellen Road, really, Yeah. Um, <laughs> over the years. But it's nice when it's the other way around. Well, speaking of low crowds and happy memories, I'm sure we all will forever treasure our memories of the League Cup win over Blackburn Rovers. Uh, 1-0 we beat them and uh, I'm sure we all enjoyed this match very much. Um, Michael, did you have a good time at this game? I think when the end of season DVD comes out called um, Road to Europe, this will be a game we look back on fondly. (laughs) I personally didn't attend. I also, despite being a season ticket holder, like I mean, you've got a twenty-year season ticket. I, I also couldn't, enough. I couldn't find it within me to uh, to go and pay money. They actually wanted people to pay money to see this game, 
at Elland Road. Eamon, you live abroad, so you have an excuse. That's true. And there was no, there was I, no beam. There was no beam back happening in uh, in Dublin or anything. It was very disappointing. There were, I mean, you, you say that stupidly, having decided this was not worth going to see. I got kind of drawn into watching someone live streaming the second half on <laughs> Facebook, and they were about they were about two rows from the front in the cop. Um, you can't see so anything. You, then. So you basically yeah you basically couldn't see anything until someone the ball came very close, and then you could just see some people moving around without any real indication of where the ball was going. So I did watch it on that. I mean, it, it is awkward. 8,488 people went lowest attendance since 2009, which I think was Darlington in the Johnston's Paint Trophy. And it's I went it, to that, if that counts had, or anything. Well, this had an extra struggle because we knew, having played Blackburn the week before, that they were crap. And as mm. we also knew from the way Gary Monk had approached the League Cup so far that he was going to play the reserves. And we also knew that Blackburn were probably going to play the reserves. So it was essentially... Leeds United Reserves versus Blackburn Reserves. And if you told me that that was on a Tuesday night at Elland Road, I wouldn't even probably feel any guilt about not going. And only about 60, 70 people probably would. However, because it is a first-team fixture, you do just get that feeling of like, oh, maybe I should be watching this. It's a bit like choosing not to go out for a friend's birthday. You know, and you've got, you've got nothing on, but you just think, ah, not today. Fuck him. Well, the main things to note from this game, one is that we won in the 85th minute. Chris Wood uh, bundled it in via the keeper from three yards. The game as a whole, I listened to it on the radio because obviously it's a first-team fixture. You, you can't like cut the I-want-to-be-involved cord altogether. It sounded like absolute garbage, to be fair. But it did tick off another game in our winning run so this took us to three wins in a row and it also took us a step closer to Wembley and a step closer to Europe and a step closer to Norwich who are coming that's who we've drawn in the next round and um, people say that you know a boycott doesn't work I think it would be a bit strong calling this a boycott it was just complete disinterest but after nobody turned up to this game um, they have announced that the next game against Norwich if you're a season ticket holder or a member, it's a tenner. If you're a non-member, it's 15 quid. All under-16s, whether they're members or not, will pay a fiver or have a, a parent or loved one pay on their behalf. £2.50 for under-11. So, message received. Under-11s on a, a Tuesday night is a bit of a tough ask, isn't it? But, you know. £2.50, they could just go for the first half. It's a good idea. <laughs> and, oh. li- and like it. <laughs> <laughs> we beat Mick McCarthy's men 1-0 and we beat them comfortably, we beat them well, I think. It was weird. Such a weird game. I, even now when I think about it, I wonder if it, if it actually happened. Why did you feel it was weird? Uh, you get used to certain feelings, don't you, at Ellen Road? And this was strange, because I was watching it thinking, this is, I think this is good. <laughs> I think this is... I think we're, like, we're well on top here, is what, it, is what it looks like. I must be wrong, but we seem to be absolutely dicking them. Yeah, I had the same... Vibe. I mean, the second half in particular, when mm. they just kept giving the ball to Sacco. Like, normally, I've seen things happen in Leeds Knights play before, where something will start working, and they'll do it twice and then stop, and it'll be really infuriating. But it seemed like at half time they'd identified Sacco against Knudsen as a one-on-one that he could win, sent him out to win it. He started winning it, and we kept on doing it. And I was like, it was brilliant watching him get absolutely tortured. <laughs> He was getting more and more upset as well. 
Every time, every time Sacco beat him, he was pointing at more and more players, saying, "Fucking help!" Yeah, <laughs> look what's happening. And I suppose they were quite reasonably saying that he's not going to do anything when he gets around you. He's either going to ignore Wood, give it to Wood, and Wood will waste it, or just stick it into the stand. He is quite capable of wasting every every chance he creates. Is Sacco, but it's hard not to like him. I was watching the uh, the highlights of this game back as well, and I remembered how many times Wood was through one-on-one, but he was through 35 yards from goal with just like the keeper to beat. It was hilarious watching the defenders just catch him up every time and just bring him down. There was one, where do you remember the goal that um, Jermaine Beckford scored? Against Norwich. Against Norwich, where the goalkeeper Mm. kicked it out and it hit him and he just charged in. There was one that was basically the exact imitation of that goal except he got to about five yards from the penalty area and just crumbled because he was knackered <laughs> Chris Wood in this game though this is when I knew it was weird in the first half I think it was probably about 15 minutes in and he kind of took it down got out of his feet really really efficiently and hit it against the post from like 25 yards and everyone went fucking hell was that Chris Wood <laughs> yeah that was, and that was another one that he picked the ball up near the halfway line he was charging down the channel yeah, and he did it in the second half as well when he was running into the box. He got tackled in the end, but he knocked it. He sort of beat two or three men, and he was running towards the box, and he, he looked very briefly like a young Brazilian Ronaldo. Do you know who he reminded me of? Becchio. Lee Chapman. <laughs> because Lee Chapman gets underrated, but there were a couple of goals he scored that were like long-range follies, and I always remember the 6-1 um, against Sheffield Wednesday. When it was only still about 1-0, he gets the ball out wide. He nutmegs somebody beats another one and he's basically charging in diagonally from the wing and he has a dip from the edge of the penalty area a dip past Chris Woods the England goalkeeper and hits the bar everybody then at that point was like did Lee Chapman just fucking do that and it was like that like, did, did Chris Wood just do that did you enjoy this win Eamon I enjoyed it greatly it was also just torturous listening to it on the radio because it's like the curse of Leeds United we played incredibly well we were all over them but for the duration it was 1-0 and uh, although it's, it did seem like uh, listening on the radio that there was Ipswich had almost no chances whatsoever to get anything in the game but you still you still felt like yeah this is probably coming this is Mick McCarthy we're, ta- we're dealing with here he's no fool but that was it was uh, very enjoyable and Pontus Janssen did it again he killed a man killed a man stone dead he celebrated it he did celebrate it can you be uh, booked for celebrating a tackle if you ran into the crowd which I think is inevitable it's it's on the way takes his shirt off maybe for taking his shirt off and leaving the field of play there might be a booking but um, I think to be, to be fair to all Pontus he did celebrate before anybody realised that Brett Pittman was actually hurt I think at that point everyone was just like ah get up and like yes let's <laughs> cheer we'll cheer with the Stone Age man but then once it became clear that he wasn't going to get up for a while he just he kind did of wander over didn't he but he didn't stay. He just kind of wandered over and was like t- tapped him on the head. And I wondered if it was going to be, be um, one of those extra aggressive things where you wander over as if you're going to tap them and say, oh, "Are you all right?" And you actually like twist the rear, just like I was. I was more concerned it was going to be like if you if you hit an animal with your car and you think oh, it needs putting out of its misery. This thing, I thought he might have stamped on his neck or something. <laughs> just, just finished him off. He'll not come back from this injury. It's it's much. It's just cru- just kinder if we do this. Well, that was the fourth win of four. And I can't remember the exact 
wording of it, but I did see some very clever person was tweeting that something that was very true, which was that we had our worst start to a season for something like 30 years, but winning this game meant we had our best run of form for like three years. And that's and they said that was possibly the most Leeds United thing ever. And then obviously we went to Bristol City in the next game. And were we ever going to win five in a row? No, we were not ever going to win five in a row. But that didn't didn't matter in a way because the weird thing about this game was a little bit like that weird feeling of the Ipswich one where I couldn't quite understand how come we were playing so well. I left this one not feeling too bothered that we'd lost because we played really well. I don't understand these feelings that I'm having. I think this is the thing people, particularly people who don't maybe follow football closely, fail to grasp is that it's not that bad to lose when you can still see there's a style of play and you can still see you're doing certain things right. It's kind of like you accept that you're going to lose some games. It's what's what's upsetting is when you turn up to a game and there's clearly been no plan A, there's then the no plan B, and you just drift into a Dave Hockaday interview of him saying we played really well. But this, you know, we're playing well, we're creating chances. There's, this is okay. That was the key thing with this game is we stuck with plan A throughout because plan A was working really well. We were in their penalty area at least as much, if not more, than they were in ours. I actually really enjoyed the first half, even though Bristol were quite good as well because it was just... It was actually two decent teams having a game of decent attacking football. Second half, I think the only problem with the second half was conceding the goal and then Hardy Sacco going from what was quite a sort of a fun and laughter when he kept missing the chances on Saturday when we were winning. But certainly the curses were being rained down upon his head um, as he kept wasting the chances when we were losing. Yeah, he's, he's the most frustrating player we've had in quite a while. I, I think at this level he's kind of acceptable to have a winger who's wasteful. I mean, you've you've spent many an hour praising Jordan Pataka, so yeah. you clearly will be on board with uh, with this <laughs> lack of end product. Pataka looks more dangerous to me. Pataka looks like more likely to actually make something happen because he tended to look for a player at the end of his run, whereas Sacco's decision making is just really bad. I never saw Pataka just lamp the ball into the back of the cop. Sacco had a shot at the start of the Ipswich game which nearly hit, hit the roof of the south stand exactly yeah the last and, person I saw do that was Paul Beasley which was nice <laughs> it reminded me of it <laughs> and then there was the one in the second half where um, it rebounded to him and the goalkeeper was scrambling to get across and he just had to put it in the net and he just put it to the side of the cop and then this game was basically just everything he did was just kind of, he got it wrong. If Wood was in a good position, he wouldn't give it to him. If Wood was in a bad position, he would give it to him. What would Jordan have done? Jordan would have scored a goal. That's mm. it. Easy. <laughs> or he would have, you know, he would have produced some plates for somebody. To I was going to say, if you, were, if you were on a popular Channel 4 cooking show <laughs> and uh, Saka was your neighbour, would, would he have any spare crockery for you? No, he'd just be, well, he'd probably say he did, but then he'd turn up with a load of, like, cast iron pans that would just be clattering all over the place, like, Heidi, all I wanted was a a mug. And it's like, ah, yes, this is a mug, no. Um, Janssen crippled another player, but then he went off crippled himself. Eamon, did we miss him in the second half, or was Liam Cooper, um, has he been taking lessons in psychosis? I, I don't think he has, has he? The goal, was was it anyone's fault? Could you blame a lack of Janssen for the goal? 
Hernandez. Uh, no. Blame Pablo. Not having that. Hmm. I'm hearing a lot of Pablo Hernandez blame for this. There's one. no reason, nothing, no reason what to happened? blame Pablo Hernandez. The player to blame is Luke Ailing. Or Hernandez. No. <laughs> he did seem to be out of position in that he wasn't there whatsoever. Pablo Hernandez got the ball in the centre circle and he wants to lay it off to the right, to the right back position where your but right instead, back would be charging. Down. And why did he do that? Because the right back, who should have been charging down the right to receive the ball in loads of space, had for some reason gone to the other side of Pablo Hernandez and was standing behind him on the centre circle. What's he doing there? No, he's not helping anybody. He's just making Pablo's life difficult. So Pablo, when he's like, hey, I'll just, I'll just play it out here and then I'll get back to considering entropy and feeling generally an inner darkness that I express through my eyes. But then instead of being able to do that, well... It's an existential crisis because Luke Galing isn't there. Suddenly, all of Sartre's philosophy can't help him. And so he just lies down in absolute despair at the, in protest at the um, folly of being alive. No, actually, you thought me around. It probably is that. <laughs> and then, yeah, it was a little bit embarrassing the way he did just kind of lie there for a while, though. But when you're having deep philosophical thoughts and questioning everything that's what you do whereas luke ailing who recognized it was his fault went charging back and there was really i think as soon as pablo had had the ball taken off him there was it was always going to be a goal unfortunately unless Heidi seco had been playing for them in which case they probably would have missed overall though Eamon, were you pleased to see our four match winning run come to an end in such a fashion i was i was absolutely delighted um but it it you are right, though. It, it makes a change to see us playing well. I mean, last season with all the, the Steve Evans games and, and what have you, you know, it might finish nil-nil. Maybe we might sneak a 1-nil, very unlikely as it was. But uh, it wasn't good to watch. Whereas now, we're creating chances. We're missing lots of chances. But, you know, we'd rather have them to miss than to not have them whatsoever and have the game come down to some dodgy referee decision that they'll go on about. It's nice, you know. Well, we're playing football. That's why we're here. We forgot to mention that Monk did get sent to the stands for this because of several dodgy refereeing decisions. It was quite hard to tell what was going on. It just seemed to get quite tetchy. But um, And he also he attempted a bit of a, an Arsene Wenger, like, I'm just going to stay right here next to the dugout thing, um, which didn't really work. It was all a bit distracting. But are you happy with how this little sequence of games has gone, Michael? Well, I think it's it's impossible not to be. I I assume we're going to lose every single game we play. It's my starting point. I mean, we were talking about the Ipswich game where we played as well as we have in probably since we won the title. Um, <laughs> and even then, I was talking myself into Ipswich equalising with about five minutes to go. I was like, because oh, it was one nil, and you kind of get that feeling. And I'm on my phone putting insurance bets on the draw. It's get, it goes to ten to one. I'm thinking, oh, fucking, I'm putting, I'm putting two quid on this. I'm at least having twenty quid out when they fucking equalise, which they're gonna do. Then another minute ticks on and it's gone to like fifteen to one. I'm thinking, ah, oh, fucking, hell, another quid. I'm having, I'm having, at le- I'm having at least thirty five quid out of this when they fucking score because they're gonna score, aren't they? It's fucking ridiculous. This. It's, I'm not happy. I'm, oh, it's twenty to one. Right, another pound, another pound, and that's it. That's it then. And then, and then we just won, and I thought, oh, that's nice. Happy with that. The news. We were quite fortunate with this podcast because we had originally intended to record it a couple of days ago. And if we had done that, we probably would have missed 
one or two important news items because as the week has gone on, the news has just got more and more shocking. And the big announcements that came through today, a brand new LeedsUnited.com. I was going to mention it was almost as bad as the previous podcast where we were recording and um, a segment about GFH when we went on to check David Haig's Twitter and decided to hastily re- uh, rework the whole thing. Yeah, you've, just, you've decided to go there, have you? I thought we should mention it, you know. But we, out of good taste, because that's what we're about, uh, we, we cut the whole segment out. Big things on the internet include LeedsUnited.com. It is not just a new website. It is a new era for Leeds United TV, it says. The new website signals the start of a new era for LUTV is exactly what it says. It is an improved digital experience with a new match centre and you can finally get the channel on the move via iOS software. LUTV is finally mobile friendly. I have already seen the complaints from Android users about the three quid app that they still need to use, but we're just getting there. Other things that will be happening is there is a fresh navigation bar. Um, bigger and better LUTV content with serialised content designed to get fans behind the scenes at Ellen Road and Thorpe Arch. So perhaps Jordan Bataka's appearance on Come Dine With Me is a hint of some of that serialised content to come. New user-friendly ticketing information making it even easier to find out how to purchase your tickets. And this is just the start of the club's new digital agenda. The e-commerce site, essentially the shop, is going to be accessible 24 hours a day you're joking it it isn't yet but it will soon we will have a shop on the internet that does not close um outside of normal shopping hours which is incredible presumably we're the first people to do that i think it's groundbreaking imagine being able to wake up in the middle of the night and buy a lucas the cop cat pillow an internet first my internet just goes onto the the test card woman um (laughs) 11 at night so well if you can't find the page that you're looking for on the leeds united website they do seem to have changed this now but for a while the 404 page said oops page not found no goal the page you entered does not exist or you are not a true lead supporter which seems a little bit passive aggressive <laughs> for a club website also on the list of things to fix is probably the um the history section which, when it comes to the 1950s, currently features a photograph of the Busby Babes in action. But teething troubles, teething troubles. Eamon, I mean, you've been a contributor to LUTV in the past, if by sending in questions for Tom Lees, uh, that counts as contributing. Um, Are you excited about the new LUTV? Well, the past is the past. It's a new era. We're moving forward. I am am relatively... Not excited, obviously, it's the wrong word. But uh, it's about time that we move into this new era, get maybe some HD video content. I think that's that's long overdue. Was that the kind of thing I can expect on this new era, 2016, modern day LUTV? Not judging by the launch day. Admittedly, the uh, highlights are pre-recorded for the old site. So the fact that they are 480p is to be expected. For non-technically inclined people, by the way, 480p... If it's the the number of pixels, which is it's roughly the same number of pixels as you'd had as you'd have on like a the bedroom telly you had when you were ten, one with a built-in VHS player on the bottom. I was going to say YouTube when you when you used to have to squint, but the press conference with Gary Monk that was recorded today, um, I think that was three hundred and sixty. They are promising higher 
quality in the future. But the, all this is doing at the moment is highlighting what I noticed about the Ipswich game. What I've been noticing all season is that it doesn't matter how many pixels they use. The quality of the goddamn highlights is fucking rubbish. And I was so enraged by this and so lacking in any kind of meaningful diversion. I mean, I do have an all, a consuming job and several interesting hobbies, but I decided to ignore them all to decide how much actual football was included in the 13-minute highlights package that Leeds United TV put out. And this was prompted because I was watching, I was at the Ipswich game and it was bloody great. But more happened in the first half than Chris Wood hitting the crossbar, Chris Wood scoring, and then the players going off. And then in the second half, this damn thing devoted about two minutes to an Ipswich player faking a foul pretending to be injured, getting up, arguing with the ref, and then before Rob Green could take the free kick, there was a substitution for Leeds United. And I remember this happening in the game because everybody was going, oh, come on, get on with it. And this is included in the highlights. <laughs> so I actually worked it out before. There is six minutes and three seconds of actual football in the 13-minute, 20-second highlights that LUTV.com offer for that match which is less than half and I would point out that I've generously included replays and the goal celebration in that. I also included there's about 20 seconds of Pablo Hernandez just holding his arms aloft before taking a corner, a corner that comes to nothing because Leeds United haven't scored from a corner since when was it, Eamon? It was, uh, it's funny, I was just looking this up actually, it was April 2007, it was a 1-0 win, uh, similar to the Ipswich game, a 1-0, a dominant 1-0 win, uh, Matt Heath. But then I don't know why that translates to the highlights in 2016, they devote 20 seconds to somebody placing a ball, even Calvin Phillips's free kick that went close, there is 30 seconds of the referee walking the, the fucking <laughs> wall back, putting the markings down, there's so little football normally on football highlight programs though they have some idiots in a studio to take up some time don't they so i suppose rather than having the they, they keep the amount of actual quality footage to the same ratios i suppose as they, they do on a on you know the football league show or whatever it's called these days but rather than having uh adam virgo looking uncomfortable uh you just have you know a player laying on the floor being injured for a bit well, this is it. it is. They've been padding it out for years because I don't know when you last saw it, but the um, they devote like the first two minutes is just the team lineup. I was just going to say that actually, that's that's they're it. still doing this where they and all the substitutes they go through. You know the whole thing. But this season is new where they are actually showing the footage of every substitution taking place, and it's like I do not consider a match highlight to be Stuart Dallas walking off a pitch and Eric Grimes walking on anyway maybe they've just been kind of not concentrating on what go on the content because they've been they've had this fancy pants new website to build so i'll tell you what i do like about it is that the way they display the league table on the front page it um it makes us look like we're in the playoffs which is good because it, it it kind of i think it only displays 10 teams or something it kind of positions us oh bloody hell yeah reading a top it, oh. it's nice it positions us centrally Maybe this is how we're going to get around the refund on the season tickets. There is um, also the new player profiles page where it's been pointed out that uh, who hasn't got... So Ross Turnbull, Bailey Peacock, Farrell, Luke Murphy, and that's it. All still have last season's player profile shots. Because, I mean, Luke Murphy definitely must have had one done because he advertised the goddamn kit. 
That's true. But it's it's a little bit cold the way they've uh, they photographed everybody apart from those boys. And is uh, even Tamani Diaraga's got a new photograph and he ain't playing. It looks a bit hastily done. These photos, like uh, it's just on a white wall behind them. Well, you'll notice as well that there's no uniformity to how the collars are, are done up. Like some of them are open necks, some they're inside out. If it was a sticker album, you'd be fuming. It'd be pretty disappointed. It's a shambles. Um, and then looking at, I don't know what's happened to Marco Silvestri, but if you've seen Taxi Driver, well, I wonder what happens if I click on him. Oh, he gets a little bio. And his player sponsor, you know, like I want a, a non-league team's website, it puts the player sponsor up. He is sponsored by Parker Engineering and Transmissions. Oh, nice. I like it when you get, um, you get they announce it sometimes, uh, I think more in the League One days, but you'd get, and entering the pitch is Gary, uh, Gary Stevens, who is sponsored by Dave's TV Shop. <laughs> Substitutions, also sponsored by Dave's TV Shop. We, we don't have a great sales team. Although I have noticed, I just clicked on Pontus Janssen, and he's sponsored by Parker Engineering and Transmissions, Louis Coyle, Parker Engineering and Transmissions. Berardi as well. I tell you, is this podcast sponsored by Parker Engineering and Transmissions? <laughs> if it isn't, it should be. Um, even Luke Murphy, who doesn't have a profile photo, is sponsored by Parker Engineering and Transmissions. Listen, Parker Engineering and Transmissions, if you're throwing this much cash around, Marcus Antonsen, then we will willingly be sponsored by Parker Engineering and Transmissions. You sponsor Suleiman Dakara. Sponsor us. Do you know what they do, though? They are engineering and transmissions. Yeah. What are they engineering, though? I'll tell you what. It's industrial gearboxes. They also do gearbox um, reconditioning. I didn't know there were so many different kinds of gearbox. There you go. Oh my goodness! Not many people did, despite their best efforts to to bring to bring it to a wider audience. But hold on a minute. When you go on their website, it says they're club partner of the Yorkshire County Cricket Club. Who are these hussies? There's no mention of Unan O'Kane anywhere on this website. Those uh, those Fenner gearboxes, eh? The other thing to note about Unan O'Kane is that. Whatever we paid to buy him from Bournemouth was not enough to trigger the sell-on clause that he had with Torquay. And I believe they were owed like a percentage of anything above like 300 grand. So that's interesting, isn't it? There's a little bit of a little bit of detail. That's almost like football news. And that maybe that's the kind of thing that we'll be able to read about on the new com and hear about and watch in bearable quality on Elite TV. Has anybody been reading the telegraph this week i've heard a few things but uh, yeah. big fat sam hey ha 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 what a loser imagine getting caught out like that and losing his job you'd be a fool when, you, when you're already a rich man why do it what did he say entrapment has won phil brown said it was like a bereavement <laughs> did he? <laughs> he did <laughs> what aspects I'm, I'm not sure just like uh, the loss of <laughs> sam Okay, well that makes no that makes no sense whatsoever. What does make perfect sense is that when the Telegraph started investigating cash for football, of fucking course, um, it's not even cash for football, is it? It's football for sale. Whatever it is, Chilino's involved, as we knew he would be, caught on video with some investigative journalists who were posing as a group of potential investors who wanted to do a deal 
um, involving third-party ownership of players, which is naughty. In fact, it's not just naughty, it's against the goddamn rules. It's so much against the goddamn rules that Chilino is already charged by the um, FA for third-party ownership of Adrian Tavares. So he knows damn well that you shouldn't do this kind of thing. And he told them, do not come here and propose to me that we should do this illegal kind of thing. Instead, buy 20% of the club off me and then we can work together much more often and everything will be great. I think probably, in, in truth, the Telegraph will be a little bit disappointed because I think you you know Chilino's history and you think he's, he's going to be right into this. Even just because it's just because we're proposing something illegal, he'll probably want to do it. Even if we'd have suggested going like badger baiting or something with him, he would have been like, <laughs> "Ah, yeah, okay, why not?" So, I mean, he, he clearly it reflects very badly on on him because essentially what he's saying is, "You can buy a bit of the club, then you'll be cutting on all the transfer profits, and we're going to make some profits," which suggests that the plan is to sell our best players on a fairly regular basis, which is perfectly in keeping with what he did at Cagliari and what he's done at Leeds so far. I don't think he actually has particularly broken any rules, which is kind of unfortunate because he probably can't be banned for it. We're just stuck with a shitty owner for a bit longer. I think the rule-breaking thing is an interesting one because he does say... I think the key line for me is one that um, where he says... I can't allow myself to make a mistake in England. I don't want to be the one that breaches the rules. Then he says, when he talks to them about them taking a shareholding in Leeds instead, so that any players that they were considering being part owners of before, they can get their share of the profits through the football club. He says, I'm giving you the recipe to do a job that covers you and doesn't make you exposed to any risk with the football league with anyone. Leeds United's response, we should say, when they said that it's a nothing story, they said, and I'm just looking for their quote, that he has made a perfectly proper suggestion which is entirely consistent with the FA's regulations. If you look at what he's actually said is, I am giving you something that will get you around the FA's regulation. So the spirit is there. And then when it does come down to, there is uh, in the rules around third-party interest, you can be done for attempting to enter into an agreement which would get around third-party interest rules. So there is stuff there. It's a bit of a tax avoidance, tax evasion difference, which I'm sure Chilino is also um, familiar with. But it's kind of one is, I think what he's suggesting is, is probably legal and probably is within the rules. It's just kind of shit for, for Leeds United as a football club. Well, this is it as well. I've been reading before this uh, about what's been going on at Blackburn, where their fans have got evidence and also hearsay. It's that classic mixture. But essentially, um, Jerome Anderson is the agent whose company seems to have had an awful lot of influence at that club. They brought Steve Keane in. Owen Coyle, who is their current manager, is an SEM client. There's a letter from a few years ago where the board of Blackburn Rovers wrote to the Venkies and said, can you clarify for us what SEM are actually doing? Because they seem to be signing all the players and we're not being consulted about any of them. And this situation seems to be what Chilino was attempting to engineer with these guys where they came in and said... We want to own part of these players and we want to do that with you so that we can make money out of them. Those players don't go away just because they buy 20% of the shareholding. They still arrive at the club whether we want them or not with the pure mission of making money off them. And it's not a footballing thing. It's purely 
Well, in one of the reasons uh, third-party ownership got banned was because it was being compared to indentured slavery, where there's, there's a lot of uh, kids brought over from third-world countries and moved around at a profit from club to club while agents collect signing-on fees and then they're tossed aside. It's not a good situation for a club to be going down. Or, Eamon, do you think it's all golden? Are you well into that kind of thing? Just signing players and moving them around and, and reaping the rewards? I've heard of worse ways to make money. But, uh, I mean, it's it's pretty terrible. And also, as Michael was saying, it is just a shame that they didn't catch him for something better. Could they not have hung around a little bit longer? Send more people into him. They had a two-hour meeting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Tommy Wright, he showed how it was done. Leaving leaving a meeting with wads of cash in his pockets. That's actual old school. cash. Old school. I mean, that's that's proper. He's not fucking about, is he? I love some of the language in that Tommy Wright one as well, where it's like, oh, we got the cash to get him warmed up. It's all... <laughs> like they're trying to fuck him. It's horrible, isn't it? Um, and he, of course, I mean, we do have to acknowledge that. So the other people from the championship involved in football for sale are Tommy Wright, ex-Leeds United player from the mid-80s. Um, and he always looked, he looked like such a nice young lad as well. If you look at photos of him from back then, he's such a, like a, an uncorruptible boy. And yet there he is with five grand in a brown envelope in his pocket. Um, and Jimmy Hasselbank as well. Have you, have you watched the video of Jimmy? Never a man to chase the money. No. Have you seen this video though of him negotiating? I've not actually seen no, it. I've not seen it. Oh, it's great. He's sitting around the table. There's no pints of wine on the table, but um, I think the Telegraph might have been quite clever by having one of the journalists be a woman, because she's saying to Jimmy, she's like, "So what sort of money do you want?" He's like, "Well, I want you to make me an offer." And he says, "Make me a nice offer," and she says, "Well, what about what about thirty thousand pounds?" He's like, ah, thirty thousand pounds." I'd like something, say something nicer than £30,000. And she's like, well, how much do you want? And he's, getting, he's keeping it all coy. He's like, well, I mean, 30000 is 30000 but you can think of a number that's nicer than 30000 I mean, it's horrible to watch. It is really cringy. And when it gets to uh, 55000 she says, and he's like, okay, now you're getting warm. And again, I think he's a case where even if he's not ended up doing anything actually breaking any rules you've just got a video of him round a table with people that he as far as he knows are dodgy agents just going like yeah make me a nice offer for some money and it's just it's like the Allardyce one he he never he didn't really say anything that bad did he, he kind of went all he really said was there are ways around these things in a, and he said it in a kind of general everyone knows there are ways around these things way rather than like this is how you actually do it but why Why are you there? Why are you speaking to these people? Exactly. I think this might be one of the main reasons why he got sacked was, or asked to resign, was he was basically trading off being England manager immediately. I'm sure there's a line in there. It's like, what you're going to have is you're going to have the England manager out there saying this. And this is him talking about himself in his third person. And he'd not even taken a training session yet. So it's, it, it's again, it's not a good look when the first thing you're doing is going out and saying like, how much more money can I chisel for being England manager? He was only doing it for his mate. Oh, I was just trying to help a friend out. That was the shittest bit of the Allardyce bit, where he just <laughs> that was his excuse. It's like, if you want to help your mate out, give him some money, or just go go out for a pint with him. Do something that normal people might do if they were if they had a friend who was struggling. Don't put your entire livelihood at risk. The friend 
business is an interesting aspect of this and brings us back to Cellino because the journals pretending to be uh, investors seem to be the meeting was set up by unregistered agent and former match fixer. He was banned for five years in Italy for fixing games. Pino Pagliera. I think I don't know if that's how I pronounce it, but uh, it was a try. And he also was at the Tommy Wright sting where he was pretending to be a translator. He gave a fake name and said he was a translator um, because he didn't want to be Googled and people to find out how actually bent he was. He was himself when he was just dealing with Tommy Wright. But when they went and had a, a meeting with Barnsley's owner, who basically told them all to sod off, he pretended to be a translator so that he wouldn't cotton on. And he was behind the moves to bring Tommy Wright to Leeds in the summer to work with Cellino. He was rumoured to be our, one of our coaches, but that didn't come off. Also involved in Tommy Wright's sting, present at all these meetings, was Francesco Morocco, who we discussed last time because we thought he was going to become our new sporting director. He worked with Cellino at Cagliari in the past and been seen with him. At recent games, particularly that photo of him sitting next to Andrea, the director of furniture. Even if Cellino has not broken a rule in this video or done anything that bad in this video, he's dealing with people who have handed five grand in a brown envelope to Tommy Wright and who have previously been banned for match fixing. He is also currently, to go through his current list of worries, we're awaiting the verdict on the illegal payments uh, made to agents over McCormack. There's a lot of smoke. There's the third-party ownership of Adrian that we mentioned earlier. There were irregularities around Lee Irwin. There's the Lucy Ward case that the FA asked to see all the evidence for, to see if they had uh, any of their rules had been broken. What action should the Football League or the FA, or both together, take at this point? Should this be the death knell for, for Cellino? Well, the Football League, um, obviously, Sean Harvey in charge, who's a man who's got a fine history of um, cracking down on, on corruption. In many ways, he spent his whole life making sure the game of football is clean. Um, so I think you've got to just have faith in what he does, really. Eamon, do you have confidence that Sean Harvey will take this witch to the river and see if it drowns? That's a wonderful metaphor. Um, it, it would be nice. Obviously, he's absolutely useless and will do uh, nothing of the sort. You know, like uh, the ads where they say you could consolidate all of your loans into one easy-to-manage loan. If we could do this with Massimo, it would make things so much easier. If we could have one big court case and mm. just air everything in this one thing, and then we can just have a decision on everything in one go, and it's over, and that's it. I guess that is the difficulty is that the um the problem with having Sean Harvey in charge and the 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 FA being so utterly toothless. I mean I I think it was Amatar Winehouse who tweeted this. He said that basically the the most damning thing about um all of what's coming out this week is that it's allowed to happen. Cellino has been allowed to buy Leeds United and they build up this this lengthy sheet of things that he needs to be investigated over, which just shows that the Football League and the Football Association, even their own rules, are rubbish. And with with the Allardyce one as well, I mean, the agent who's involved in this, a couple of years ago there was all the stuff about Ravel Morrison basically saying that when he went into training, he was being pestered by Allardyce and Kevin Nolan to sign with this agent, with his company. And he was like, he, was, he basically said, I don't want to, I just want to like train, train him. 
please. I don't want to be bothered about this. And the FA went, oh, he'd be, a good, he'd be a great choice to be England manager. We should point out that Allardyce and the agent involved denied that that was going on. We can also point out at the same time that you can look through uh, Allardyce's teams at Bolton and West Ham and see a lengthy list of players who, after signing for those clubs, also signed for that agent and draw your own conclusions as to whether... Um, Ravel actually tweeted this week, he just said, years ago I said this, no one listened to me. And that's it, nobody nobody listens. If we wanted to have that big court case about Cellino to sort out once and for all, is this guy fit and proper, to use the phrase, to run any football club, let alone Leeds United, the only people who were going to do it would be football supporters, because we're the only ones who seem to actually give a toss. But then... The only people who don't have the power to do it are the football supporters because that power has. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. To be bestowed to us by the likes of Sean Harvey, who doesn't believe in support or involvement in football clubs. So it's a big circular fuck Fuck over. <laughs> Our other um, hope for a release from these webs of alleged corruption is that somebody might just come along uh, filthy rich enough to just buy the whole lot. Takeover was believed or said to have been done and dusted a few weeks ago, just waiting Football League approval. That hasn't been forthcoming. Now we've got the Telegraph tapes. What are we doing? Are we just waiting there has been some talk since the tapes came out that um difficulties with the groups who are believed to have bought leeds united but we don't even know who those groups are that 
the deal is not happening or not happening the way it was. Michael, are you still confident? What kind of feeling do you have about an incoming imminent takeover? It concerns me massively that that's the way he's going about trying to sell the club is by selling off little bits of it to any old, the first person who works walks through the door. Be like, yeah, we could, you know, this is a thing that could happen. Yeah, we shall see. <laughs> I'm just gonna drink. I'm just gonna finish this drink and then uh, we'll we'll just come back to it tomorrow. It's late. Come on, let's not. And uh, there seems to be rumours today that the the deal with the um, the Chinese consortium that was fronted by um, Radrizani that that has it more or less been agreed. There was then some disagreement, um, and it's now a dead deal. I've not a clue if that is true or not. Just like I had no idea if it was true that it was it was all agreed in the first place. Nobody really knows. Eamon, do you know? He just said nobody knows. <laughs> and I am one of those, I don't have a clue. It It is worrying that... When were the Telegraph tapes actually recorded? Was it like in the past week or so? Or do we know? No, I think it was August or... It was certainly, it was a while ago. It's it's not been the last week. They've been working on this for a long time. These things as well, it does make you concerned that when people have seen potential investors going in for meetings and things, you think, uh, maybe it was the fake people people saw. Maybe maybe some of these have been false reports. Well, it's also the, um, the people sitting with him now um, at Gaines, we know, include Francesco Morocco who we know that when he wasn't sitting next to Chileno at a football max match, he was off bribing Tommy Wright with some journalists who I, I think the uh, what I understand is that Morocco thought they were legit. So the first people they've conned are Paglia and Morocco, and then they've worked with them to go through Tommy Wright and uh, Massimo Chileno. Um, that's how they've got the introductions. So that doesn't fill you with confidence either, because when we, ha- you know, we do have every game. It's like who is Chilino sitting next to? It's like, oh, he's sitting next to that guy, and then we find out, yeah, that that guy is representing the Daily Telegraph. I mean, the Telegraph's on. It's who's on? Is it owned by the Barclay Brothers? The Telegraph, because they are filthy rich. So if it's them, um, yeah, Telegraph Media Group, Barclay Brothers. So they own. I mean, they own an island. Not Ireland, but they own an island. It's got a castle on it. So they definitely have enough money. So if perhaps Chilino had taken that 20% thing all the way down the line and the investigative journalists had got a little bit carried away, then we could have been taken over by the Telegraph Media Group. That would have been interesting. Perhaps an unexpected result from their investigation into corruption in football. Having to explain that when you get back to the office. I've bought Leeds United. (laughs) He gave us drinks. He was so cool. He was smoking inside and he didn't even care. Uh, we just decided to go along with it. The one uh, law that we can say he definitely broke was smoking in the workplace. That's a, that's a 50 quid fine, I believe. Is, is that a, enough to see him banned? Would it, be, would it count as like a, a conviction? I, I don't think it should. An unspent conviction for smoking indoors. He does need to be nailed for that because he, there's been so many photo shoots of him just smoking in those offices. Just do him for something. <laughs> just plant some DNA on him or something. For Christ's sake. <laughs> DNA? You know, of like a, uh, <laughs> of a... Of a murder victim, something like oh. that. You know, just put something, rub something in his, in his jacket or something. A dagger in his drawer. Like they did with Barry George. Get the guys who did that to do it. 
on, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're entering into a world of um, illegality and accusations that I don't think we should wander down anymore. I guess um, the takeover just, it, it continues. Oh, it doesn't. I think that's what I was going to say. Is that anybody who looked at the way Cellino sold Cagliari, this is not unusual. He sold Cagliari about five times to imaginary people before he eventually sold it for good. My favourite one of those was when he was photographed. I can't remember the guy's name, but it was in Miami. There was a photograph of him shaking hands with the guy that he had just sold Cagliari to. And then the next day he just said, no, it's it's off. It's not happening. No, it's it's all... It's all fake. There was, Is that the one where he said it, he's not answering his phone? He's like, ah, oh, he's, he's gone. He's just I can't get hold of him anymore. <laughs> then there was a Chinese consortium uh, that he effectively sold Calgary to. There was a Qatari consortium who, like, I think they actually outright denied that they were ever involved. So expecting a Chilino sale, I mean, I, I doubt... Imagine if, it, if you were on Gumtree trying to buy a standard lamp and it turned out to be Chilinos. Anywho... Football news. There is a little bit of football news to say um, because we we bought Liam Bridcut permanently and then we broke him, what feels like permanently. He was going to be the player that saved our season and saved our midfield, but he's actually missed. Did he play in any of the games that we talked about at the start of this? Um, no, it was Calvin Phillips. So we we won at least three out of four. We did pretty damn well without him. That's all I'll say. He was being described at the weekend saying his injury had healed, but it was just too painful to play. This week, they've looked into it in more detail. He's got a broken foot and he's out for two months. Eamon, have you ever broken your foot? I've broke my arm. Did you notice? I, I did notice. To be fair, it was it was relatively obvious. Uh, there was a large bone and it was broken. <laughs> there was two two bones then after that, obviously. It was uh, It was a mess. I, I like how Gary Monk said it was it wasn't the injury anymore it was the pain. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. it came after Gary Monk uh, uh, after the Birmingham game was talking about the players need to be men. So now he's basically saying that Liam Bridcut wasn't a man because he refused to play with a broken foot. It's the Leeds United way, I suppose. So it's the it Gary Monk way. Of um, when I was about ten. I came home from football with a uh, an arm that was broken, um, and my mum said it's probably fine. Go to bed, um, <laughs> and then the next morning I had to say no, mum. Really, it's this is not usual. This hurts a lot. So I'm thinking um, we went to casualty and, and it was broken. So I think my mum may be in charge of um, of the medical team at Ellen Road. Are we going to miss Liam Bridcup? Don't be daft. Who needs him? Eamon, are you ha- are you happy with little Calvin Phillips instead? Um, I'm quite happy, but I think we are going to miss little Liam as well, even with his broken foot. We've got Ronaldo Vieira as well, who, who started the season brightly, has kind of faded from view a little bit. I think he's had a, a slight injury. And his brother, of course. Is his brother ready for the championship? Uh, I don't see why not. He just signed a new contract, ready to go. I was going to say, on the, on the brother's front, I discovered, uh, you know, when we were playing Bristol, all the talk was about Tammy Abraham. The guy who's on loan from Chelsea. He has a brother called Timmy, who's at Charlton. Wow. I just thought I just thought it was a bit cruel. Timmy and Tammy. Coming up. We have one game to preview, and it's against newcomers to the division. Let's give them all a big welcome from down the M1. It's Barnsley for the famous corruption derby. The Redfern derby. 
our Massimo Cellino versus their Tommy Wright, I was going to say. Are you accusing Neil Redfern of corruption? No, 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 no. <laughs> he served both clubs very well. There will be. Do you think there'll be split? I mean, it's not. you'd normally say split loyalties in the Neil Redfern household, but it's actually just split loyalties in Neil Redfern, isn't it? How do you think he'll feel on, on the day, Eamon? Well, he's, he's working for... A lead, uh, well, Yorkshire Radio is essentially Leeds Radio, isn't it? I mean, it's, uh, it's Ken Bates Radio, I think, technically. That's true. So yeah. what would Ken Bates want? That's the real question. <laughs> yes. Well, actually, what would we, what would we want when we were in the, we were in the Barnsley? Because the thing with Barnsley, you've got the Metrodome there. And I said... It was it was Sean Harvey actually. He said to me, "It says something like that." Um, <laughs> who do you? I mean, that's the hell of a question. Is when it comes to a Leeds United match, who would Ken Bates want to win? Because I genuinely don't know. Even when he was here, I didn't know. I can I can imagine people always talk about people who like uh, want to do. I told you so. I'm sure any Leeds United success, he just wants Leeds United to fail because he say, "Of course, he was Billy when I bloody run it." Um, see Suzanne, they've lost again. Have to go and save them a seventh time. There's also been beauty um, in Leeds versus Barnsley over the years. Becchio's Penenka penalty was a, a special one. And let's not forget that if you ever go and watch that on YouTube, as I do approximately once a week, uh, make sure you watch the version that shows him bouncing the, bounce. bouncing the ball a off the goalkeeper's bounce. head and back onto his own head just before he takes it. The coolest motherfucker <laughs> Legion that ever played for Legion United. You can keep Duncan McKenzie. And also Derek Lilly, Eamon, your your favourite Legion United player? Maybe my favourite Legion United goal, certainly. Uh, it would have been 1997. It was in that famous half-yellow, half-blue kit that was a bit too... It was a bit too woolly, wasn't it, that shirt? It was... Uh, oh, I loved that it material. It bobbled quite a bit. I didn't care. It was good, though, because when you got when you got goalkeeper gloves with it, you didn't get big, long poles on it, because that was always a bit tragic, mm. you know? With that, it was it was resistant to that, which was it's just positive. But yeah, Derek Lilly scored his first and, uh, and only goal for Leeds in, a, I think it was 3-2, maybe, in that game? I think so. Wasn't it absolutely chucking down with rain as well? I think it was a comeback. I think it was like the week after we came back from 3-0 against Derby. I think we were just on a, a comeback roll at that stage. Even Derek Lilly was getting in on the act. So that, that's my main memory of uh, of uh, Barnsley. And also, I remember that goal, people were running on the pitch and it was just so wet and slippery, everyone was just falling over. What Barnsley have at the moment is quite a good team for a bunch of idiots who just got promoted. If you are a, a fan of our fan scene, you may also appreciate West End Boggs's uh, Twitter account, if not their actual um publication because it's all about Barnsley and nobody wants that but for a bunch of Barnsleyites they are worth a follow and they rave about Conor Hurahane I mean they rave about most of their players they seem surprisingly upbeat for people from Barnsley but they're very happy about him and very happy with their performances so far this season they spanked Rotherham 4-0 beat Preston 2-0 beat Wolves 4-0 came unstuck as the people I'd say at Reading where they lost 2-1 and then lost 2-0 to Barn, uh, lost 2-0 to Brighton, sorry. Drew 1-1 with Aston Villa in their last game, so maybe a return to form. Do we have much to fear from the Tykes? I mean, if, if we were to look at whoscored.com... Which, naturally, we should. Good God. In association with that um, engineering... What the fuck they called? <laughs> Who's our new sponsors? 
of Parker Engineering, isn't it? In association with Parker Engineering and Transmissions, who scored .com. Uh, they, they're strong at more or less everything. Yeah, it's a little bit upsetting. Whereas we, I mean, just to give it some context, our strengths are shooting from direct free kicks, which I will say we've scored one of this year. I'm so happy that every time I open up whoscored.com to see what our strengths are, we are still considered strong at shooting from direct free kicks. Calvin Phillips was close against Ipswich. It was mm. it was well saved. But yeah, we're good at that and protecting the lead. Um, that's it. Mm-hmm. Barnsley are good at creating scoring chances, coming back from losing positions, creating long shot opportunities, creating chances to individual skill, attacking set pieces, shooting from direct free kicks, finishing scoring chances, counter attacks, protecting the lead, and area. I mean, it can't be right. That's too much. Have they just forgotten to put someone on our games? <laughs> we must have more strengths than one free kick. And Barnsley must have more weaknesses than defending counter attacks, because that's it. Otherwise, they'd be, they should be top, judging <laughs> by this list. I mean, it makes our game plan clear. Barnsley are weak at defending counterattacks, so we should counterattack, and we'll win. This has not been updated since we've had Pontus, because aerial duels is one of our weaknesses. Well, it also doesn't say our lead strength is killing men. No. So, yeah, I think you may be right. There is a match forecast from uh, whoscored.com. Do we see what they predict? They say, even though <laughs> one of our only two strengths is shooting from direct free kicks... Barnsley are so strong that the match forecast says it's very likely Barnsley will score from a direct free kick, but not that we will. Um, it also says it's likely that Barnsley will control the game in our half, will score from a set-piece situation, dominate in the air, and score as a result of an opposition error. I mean, I see... Are we counting the direct free kick of the set-piece as one goal, or are they separate? And then... I think that's separate. Okay, and then the opposition error. So there's at least three goals for Barnsley... <laughs> <laughs> predicted already yeah. those all could be one they could be one goal um, so we'll only lose one nil so that's alright what do we think is going to happen leaving aside who scored .com's predictions in association with Parker Engineering and Transmissions Eamon what do you think is going to happen in this match uh, well all these uh, all this bullshit aside from who scored uh, I think we're going to get the win here uh, to you reckon yeah, well, their form, they've lost two and drawn one. They're only three points ahead of us for all their, their strengths and all our lack of strengths. <laughs> so um, they've clearly have a lot of go- They've scored 20 goals. Are there, is it, oh, yeah, 20 goals. Yeah. Which is uh, twice as many as us. That's a lot of goals. Um, <laughs> so I think we might sneak a win, but maybe a high scoring draw, two all or something like that. Something fun. So I think we can all safely assume that Barnsley are going to score. Michael, are we going to score more goals than them? We will score two to their one. Us against Barnsley, I reckon it's going to be a four-all draw. The Ken Bates, villain of the fortnight. Ken Bates always gets nominated. What are we going to nominate Ken Bates for this week? Um, For probably wanting us to lose. I, I overheard a conversation where he was saying he wanted us to lose just earlier on I think that's fine we'll nominate him for that Massimo Cellino is also nominated I think for basically everything we've discussed already Massimo Cellino gets a nomination and smoking of course don't forget smoking. smoking I thought you were going to say don't forget to smoke kids <laughs> <laughs> but that's the opposite message that we want to put out don't smoke kids don't be like Massimo Cellino nominating the Daily Telegraph because really did anybody need any of this they've given us Gareth Southgate well this is it Gareth Southgate's England will be a thing now, thanks to them. 
and also they've robbed Barnsley of the services of Tommy Wright. They just, for some reason, with a whiff of scandal about him, they just came out and got rid of him straight away. Didn't regard it as a non-story. Interesting that, but um, I think Tommy Wright and Jimmy Hasselbank both here basically for dragging Leeds United's name through the mud. If we're going to nominate Massimo Cellino. And Hasselbank for those cartwheels. They were no good, were they? They were rubbish. Pathetic. I was actually, I was watching his second season on YouTube for various reasons this week. And that was the season when he got angry, when he was doing angry cartwheels and he was refusing to mm. celebrate his goals. And there's a really... F- Grab Ian Hart. My favourite one is that one where he just belts Ian Hart when Ian Hart <laughs> scores a, a free kick. But then he scores a free kick in a couple of games later and he celebrates basically by just yelling at Ian Hart as if like Ian Hart had made him take the free kick wrong even though he scored. There's getting an old leaf like, you fucking dick. You know, like, what like, What are you even celebrating me for? It's hilarious to watch. Sam Allardyce is on the list. I don't think it was a pint of wine, was it? But I do like the fact that, like, the idea that it was. Um, why is he on this list? Uh, for being everything that's wrong with football. It's not so much, you know, I know I know. it's it's meant to be contributing to our misery as Leeds fans, mm. but, you know, I think we're all England fans here, aren't we, Eamon? So, Absolutely. <laughs> And contributing to our misery of Leeds fans, Coventry City this week, who uh, they took Luciano Becchio on trial, which, first of all, sent hearts aflutter to the idea that he could go... I presume go. he's now sitting on a five-year contract. He played an hour and played well, by all accounts. I think the uh, the reports were that he like showed that he was an experienced professional and was helping the players around him, but he has... Uh, um, he has not earned a contract. And I think we are now doing uh, Villain of the Issue in the magazine, but we're doing it alongside, as well as Ken Bates' Villain of the Issue, we're doing the Andy Hughes hero of the issue. Um, and I, if I could, I'd be nominating Tony Mowbray for that right now because he's quit Coventry City, as far as I'm aware. And I can only assume it's in disgust at them not taking on Luciano Becchio to a contract. So... The nominations, Ken Bates, Massimo Cellino, The Daily Telegraph, Tommy Wright, Jimmy Hasselbank, Sam Allardyce and Coventry City Football Club. Who is going to win it this time, Eamon? Well, it's hard to look past Coventry City. And also, if you remember, just for Gary McSheffrey, if we want to talk about like evil figures from Coventry's past, is there anyone worse than Gary McSheffrey? Very few that I can think of. Exactly. Michael? Uh, well, Steve Grizovich's face is all I can really think of when I think of Coventry City. Bro- his big broad nose smiling out from a Merlin 95 sticker album. And let's not forget the uh, 1987 FA Cup semi-final, Mickey Jin and mm, all that. Of course. So I think that seems fairly cut and dry that in a week when football really has shown its ugly underbelly. Well, com- the thing is, Coventry had a chance to bring beauty, didn't they? And they spurned it. We will be back with a new magazine for the Wigan game. We'll be back with a new podcast probably minutes before the next big news announcement happens. We've had a a lucky break this time. We've done very well uh, that we're actually able to comment fairly uselessly on major news events um, rather than just miss them entirely. And that was Podcast 99. And that next one will be uh, podcast number 100. Um, so if anybody does want to send us a cake, sweets, money, gearboxes from Parker Engineering and transmissions, which you, which do you prefer, Michael? Do you prefer the engineering or the transmissions? It's hard to, so hard to say, well, isn't it? I mean, the, you, can't, you can't fault the transmissions, really. <laughs> um, 
Sorry. They're a great, they're a great bunch of games. They will not come on the line. And with that, we'd better say goodbye before I ramble on anymore. Thank you for listening, everybody, and thank you for being. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com With me, Michael. Bye-bye. And Eamon. Goodbye. And we'll see you next time for 100 Square Ball Podcasts. Bye-bye. The Square Ball Podcast. Podcast.